Life Audio. Christian Parent Crazy World with Katherine Seegers is brought to you by Life Audio and is part of our Faith Toolkit series. For more inspirational faith-affirming podcasts, visit lifeaudio.com. Welcome to Christian Parent Crazy World, the podcast that tackles tough topics to help you be a godly parent in an ungodly world. I am your host, Katherine Seegers, and in today's episode, we will tackle this vitally important question, how is our culture distorting sexuality and harming children? Hmm. Another big topic, moms and dads, we are concluding our discussion on sexuality today, or rather, I should say, our current discussion on sexuality. There is a lot more to say on this topic, so we will have future episodes, I promise. I'm joined again by Aaron Berry, author, speaker, counselor, and educational consultant. If you have been tuning in to the rest of this series, and you should, you know her well by now. Erin is working on a doctorate in Christian counseling where she is specializing in the field of sexuality. She and her husband, Brett, are founders of the Home Educated Mind, a Christ-centered community dedicated to providing materials and support for Christian parents. Today, Aaron and I will discuss the overarching narratives that are competing with the biblical view on sexuality. We will discuss how even mentioning God's plan for our sexuality has become hate speech. Have you wondered how that happened? Well, we're going to talk about it. And we will also talk about what is happening in our hospitals with the gender transitioning of minors. Yes, mm -hmm, of children. And to cap it off, Aaron will offer sage advice on how to address all of these issues in your families with your kids. That's the plan for this episode of Christian Parent Crazy World. So let's get started. Is it hard to spark meaningful conversations with your kids? Whether you're a homeschool hero, planning activities for the next family vacation, or simply gathering around the dinner table, we've got something that can help. Introducing the Daily Family Conversation Starter by best-selling author Katie Clemens. This remarkable book offers 365 imaginative ways to connect with your children in just five minutes each day with prompts like, who made you laugh today? Or what would you do if you had a tail? These simple questions open up a world of laughter, curiosity, and deeper connections. From dinner time to sleepy time, the Daily Family Conversation Starter is your key to creating memories that will last a lifetime. Don't wait to transform your family's daily routine into an adventure of discovery and fun. Grab your copy of The Daily Family Conversation Starter today, wherever books are sold. Well, good day to you. It's Joel with The King Country dropping in to let you know that our brand new film, Unsung Hero, is in theaters now. It's Luke here. We've teamed up with the creators of Jesus Revolution to bring you this adventure of a lifetime. It's a powerful, true story about a family uniting, growing in their faith, and facing the impossible together. In theaters now, unsunghero.movie for more information. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested.
So, in the last episode, Aaron and I discussed how pretty much anything goes when it comes to sexuality in our culture. This mindset is the natural outcome of a worldview that places the self and its desires above all else. That is a Rousseauian philosophy of life, Rousseauian being a $3 word referring to the French philosopher Rousseau, whose ideas were at the heart of the French Revolution. Yeah, you know, (laughs) add that word to your repertoire if you want to impress some people at the water cooler. (laughs) Just saying. So um, this Rousseauian mindset says that what the self wants must not be denied. To deny our appetites is to deny the most essential part of who we are. So essentially, (laughs) Rousseau has led us to a world where two-year-olds are in charge. Aaron and I also talked about what is driving the dramatic increase in people struggling with their sexual identity, a lot of social media and propaganda there. And we discussed our innate God-given need for community and how many of these alternate communities that embrace other sexual identities seek to provide support for people who are legitimately suffering. But they cannot provide the answers that people are looking for because they don't have them. Altering your body cannot change who you really are, who you were created to be. Embracing truth from God is what brings freedom to people who are suffering. That's the Cliff Notes version. Be sure to check out the previous three episodes if you haven't already. We will pick up today's episode right where we left off, talking about how biology agrees with the biblical view of sexuality. One thing that I think is really interesting is that... (laughs) We have heard like for years to be on the side of science, science, science. And yet our position Mm. is consistent with biology. Our position as Christians is consistent with science. And it's the the new ideology of gender that is inconsistent with who we are physically created to be. Is it not? Yes. And that's because, again, it's the psychological Mm-hmm. So the biology and the science are not the important markers right now. Right. It's psychology and that's, and it's language, which is interesting that it goes back to even so many definitions are changed and the way that we say things and we've, we've changed it to these certain words just mean, you know, they're limited, but it's really a psychological approach to life. It is. And where we are in our culture right now is that those people who consider sex and gender to be one and the same, those of us who consider it to be binary, meaning either male or female, that is considered hate speech in our culture, literally hate speech. We are oppressing others when we speak about male and female coinciding with our anatomy, coinciding with our biology and science. That's hate speech. How, how do we approach that cultural <laughs> reality? Right. So again, now I'm getting this from, it's Carl Truman, his book, Strange New World, 
fabulous. But he so he he explains this so well. He talks about the importance of a narrative, a national narrative, and how in the past we had, you know, we let's say you were American. And so you had, I don't know, uh, hot dogs and baseball and whatever, but you had this sense of being an American and being a part of this great country, even though you lived in all these different places, it's vast and broad. So we have this national narrative, but to the end, we had institutions that supported that. But now we don't have a national narrative, right? In the sense that, well, if you're a national, like if you're patriotic, that's negative. True. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And so what they're really doing is they're tearing down the narratives that have given us a sense mm-hmm. of identity. That's our nation, our family, everything. And now we can go onto the internet and we can find our tribe, so to speak. And we get, and we join that narrative and it's very divisive and there's, there's tons of them. So back in the day, you were part of your culture and your family, but now you're finding this new narrative. And what matters is that if you are telling me my narrative is wrong, or I find my community and this is who we are, your words are denying Mm -hmm. me my reality. This is why words matter. This is why today it's a hate speech because your words are keeping me from what I am saying is true. And I had a couple of quotes. I want to find if I had them. He said, um, for example, he said, there's a competing narrative and many ways to imagine community. And the national narrative, a strike against your country was a strike against you. Not so today. Traditional identities have lost their authority. Now, he makes this important point and I it, and he shows how the Internet plays such a mm. large role in all of these changes. And he said, in the late 19 and 20, early 20th century, Marxist revolutionaries were constantly frustrated that class identity proved weaker than national, religious and family identities. Okay. So they were frustrated because they were trying to get people to have a class identity, but they were, they weren't making a difference with the national religion and family. There was no real means by which to create an imagined community that united workers across the globe and stronger ties than the dominant one. Mm-hmm. But now we can choose our communities and our identities. No longer are we presented with powerful fixed narratives. We choose who we want to be. And that is why. And then you live in this psycho, the psychology, right? So you're living thinking this is who I am. And I'm, and then if you come and say, that's not who I am, you are ruining, you are ruining Mm. my world, my Mm -hmm. reality. And that's why it's a crime. Absolutely. I love that you brought up uh, that he brought up too the, the, the Marxist underpinnings here. I, I actually want to do a whole podcast on this, a solo podcast on what's happening in our culture in terms of that, how that, how that genesis and how that metamorphosis of the ideology has come about, because I believe that that's driving a lot of what we're, 
we're seeing in our culture these days, the idea that there are oppressors and there are the oppressed groups. That's it in a nutshell. And they have been able to properly do that with race, the issue of race in our culture that they're, you know, based on your skin color, you're either an oppressor or oppressed. And then also within the sexual identity community or issues that you, you know, if you believe what's binary, you're an oppressor. That's who you are. And the only way to take it out of that is to revoke a biblical ideology on sex, a binary one that we are created male and female. That's our only ticket out of that. And you get a, you know, you get trump cards. My daughter put it this way. She's like, you got more trump cards if you can find yourself somewhere in that spectrum. If you're not cisgender, and that's the term they use to they they couldn't just they they had to, yeah, it's almost a pejorative to be that, you know, these days. But I, I like Rosario Butterfield. She she had a comment on this that I thought was really excellent on the hate speech issue. She said, calling God sexual ethic hate speech does Satan's bidding. And of course, it, for those who don't yeah. remember, she was a lesbian, radical lesbian professor at Syracuse University in women's studies and queer theory was one of her specialties. And she she came out of that, uh, she she is now a believer. I think she has four kids, homeschools. But she said, calling God's sexual ethic hate speech does Satan's bidding. This is Orwellian nonsense or worse. I only know who I really am when the Bible becomes my lens for self-reflection. And I... Would totally agree with that. We we've got to to be seeing ourselves through the lens not of our culture, not through these ideologies, not through our feelings, but through scripture. And I know some people don't want that. And I'm not trying to force that on anyone because God himself says, choose you this day whom you will serve. We do need to have that choice, but we also mm-hmm. need to be protecting children. We've got exactly. to protect children and telling them that simply because you feel something doesn't make it right. Is it hard to spark meaningful conversations with your kids? Whether you're a homeschool hero, planning activities for the next family vacation, or simply gathering around the dinner table, we've got something that can help. Introducing the Daily Family Conversation Starter by best-selling author Katie Clemens. This remarkable book offers 365 imaginative ways to connect with your children in just five minutes each day with prompts like, who made you laugh today? Or what would you do if you had a tail? These simple questions open up a world of laughter, curiosity, and deeper connections. From dinner time to sleepy time, the Daily Family Conversation Starter is your key to creating memories that will last a lifetime. Don't wait to transform your family's daily routine into an adventure of discovery and fun. Grab your copy of The Daily Family Conversation Starter today, wherever books are sold. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org slash impact. You know, I, I wanted to share with you, there was a, I was watching a episode of, uh, okay, I'm not a fan, didn't watch it very much. I was just like, it was probably about 
10 or 11 years ago, because it's such a housewife thing to do, which I don't consider myself a housewife. I've worked too hard for that. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but I think all of us, you know, that's almost become a negative term, but I was watching Dr. Phil. Okay. I was um, like over two years ago. <laughs> um, I just flipped it on to see what was on. I was trying to get a baby to go to sleep or something. And he had this episode on what was, uh, you may be familiar with, it's called the warrior gene or the rage gene. It's also known as the rage gene. People who have this genetic predisposition are prone to violent outbursts of rage. They're the people, you know, that commit road rage and, you know, assault people for over minor infractions. And so we had three people on the show. There were two men and one woman, and they all had rap sheets a mile long. And it was talking about this gene. And so what they did, they did the big reveal. They come out with the envelope, you know, because they tested them all to see if they had the rage gene. All of these people have been in jail multiple times for having assaulted people. And apparently, you know, Dr. Phil was talking about how so many people in the jail system have that have these rap sheets a mile long have the rage gene warrior gene and of course all three of them tested positive and he proceeded to tell them that simply because you have this impulse or this urge which by the way it's a genetic marker in these people literally you can see it in their dna that that doesn't make it right to act upon that impulse and i'm like isn't that so ironic because we're telling people You know, when it comes to your sexual identity, anything goes. Have sex with anything or everything that you want to, as long as it's consensual. And yet, you know, in the area of rage or, you know, people have a genetic marker sometimes for alcoholism and drug addiction. We're telling them, okay, it's not right to act on your genetic precursors, your natural impulses, but these people do. It's not a consistent argument, is it? We're, we're, we're doing this based on an ideology and we need to make sure that ideology is right because the ramifications are astronomical when we're maiming the next generation based off of an ideology that I believe is clearly false. So I, what, what are your thoughts on that? Are you familiar with the rage gene? Had you heard that? You know what? I'm not. I'm not. That's interesting. And But I think what's interesting is I don't care what genes you've got. Exactly. You have to take care of, you have to live in society. You have to respect and honor the people Mm -hmm. around you. And you can't just go off on whatever feeling you have. And, And when would that ever make any sense? And that's the other piece that's interesting because it's all about this freedom. But the truth is, really, if everybody's doing what they want, somewhere, somehow, we're going to cross. Yep. And our, my freedom is going to cross somebody else's freedom. Right. And that's why we've had laws and that's why we've had, you know, said, okay, let's have these boundaries. How can we give people what freedom can we give them, but what boundaries can we have to live in community? That is so important. And an out of control person is not a happy person. No, our rights do at some point in a free society always conflict and you can't, you can't escape it. You know, I want to talk just for a little bit here about, you know, I find it fascinating. I'm going to uh, post this link to a story that Tucker Carlson did recently about what is happening in these hospitals. It is mind-boggling. He posted something from the University of San Francisco Medical Center's website that talked about what they're doing. They're doing these operations on minors all over the country. He's yeah. uh, This was on the website, quote, as youth are transitioning at increasingly younger ages, genital surgery 
is being performed on a case-by-case basis more frequently in minors, end quote. That was on the website. Then what they openly admit, Aaron, they openly admit this, that there's no evidence to support it. There's no scientific evidence, no studies, long-term studies to support what they're doing. They said on the website, quote, in the absence of solid evidence, providers often must rely on the expert opinions of innovators and thought leaders in the field, end quote. They are cutting off breasts. They are removing uteruses. They are cutting off penises based on the expert opinions of innovators and thought leaders, i.e. celebrities in the field. I can't even believe this is where we are as a culture. It blows my mind that thought leaders and innovators are are pushing an agenda that is encouraging children to do these kinds of surgeries. Boston Children's Hospital, uh, University of California, San Francisco, Cornell, UCLA, Vanderbilt. They are mutilating children based off of thought leaders and innovators. What are your thoughts on that as a counselor? Well, obviously it's horrific and it's a, it's a, I think it's abusive. It's taking people at a vulnerable stage when they haven't fully developed, they don't even know what this all means. And you're taking advantage for, and I don't even really know why. I don't know if it's, I, I really don't know what the motivation is. All I know is it's wrong and it needs to be stopped. And I believe the way we stop it is by families, yes, families and individuals just saying no. And you've got, you know, you take care of your children and the children that come across your path. And we stand up and we say no, and we let our voice be known. We, this country, one of the beautiful things about our modern world is we're a democracy. Well, we're a republic, but we have the advantage of democratic influence. We have power. We can stop going to receiving services Mm -hmm. from certain places. We can storm the Capitol. We can say to our representatives, you know, we have a voice. But uh, I think people are afraid. I think because they think we're not being compassionate. Yes. Um, These people are suffering. Nobody is saying people aren't suffering. What we're saying is let's pull back a bit and give them the help that they need. Right. Let's not cause more problems. And let's not jump to conclusions. Since when would you ever not take some time to before a major operation to consider alternatives. For example, my uh, husband had a filling. He needed a filling on his front tooth. We went to one dentist who said, we're going to remove both of your front teeth and give you a double crown. Okay. For the cost of, I don't know, it was $3,000, $3,500. So we went and got a second opinion. And the dentist said, oh, he said, I do everything I can to preserve teeth. He said, so what I'll do, I'll go in. I think I can fix that. He said, cause you have beautiful teeth. They're beautiful except for this filling. And I would like to preserve them. So he went in and for $250 <laughs> fixed the filling. It's beautiful. And it wasn't even that big. It wasn't like half his tooth, but the philosophy was 
okay, what are our options and how can we best support? There is a filling here. We do have to do something, but we're not going to just remove all your healthy teeth because, well, that's easier. Right. And that's what I think here is like, okay, are people suffering? Let's look at what they're suffering from and how can we ease the suffering, but let's not add to their suffering by these irreversible damages. And, and like you said, it's not even just, you put them on the hormones. It's not like you can have your, um, uterus can go through apathy. What is that word? Help me with it. You know, where your uterus then is like, say, if you go on testosterone, you don't have a hysterectomy, but it hurts your uterus. Right. Okay. Yeah. It hurts your bones. It hurts your whole body. Like there's just so many ramifications. Surely there was an easier way to deal with this distress. Right. We need to have the least restrictive means possible. That is where we ought to be in our medical care all the time. But with the psychological issues, and, and, and like you said, we're not denying suffering. There is suffering going on. But to, to make that jump to irreversible even the chemically castrating drugs, as we talked about with jazz, are irreversible because of the improper development that occurs after that. And I would suggest to you, right. this was also in the study by uh, or the story by Tucker Carlson, that one of the major motivators is money. Matt Walsh actually wrote oh, yeah. a story yeah. recently about that Vanderbilt University. Yeah. We both lived in Nashville, Tennessee, which is the big hospital there. Vanderbilt University mm-hmm. had, and there was some, some footage that was talking, these hospital administrators talking about how the top surgery alone for girls, $40,000 a yeah, pop, 40,000, 40 grand. And then you put them on these, you know, big pharma is getting, the income from life altering drug because they're going to be on these drugs for the rest of their lives. The you know they can't just you know right. they have to take them for the rest of their lives, and you know forty thousand dollars a pop. And by the way, what they said to those doctors, they admitted there would be some conscientious objectors, and and one of the doctors got up. Uh, what was her name? I I can't remember. I've got it down here somewhere. I think it was Ellen Clayton. Ellen Clayton. She said, "Quote." to the doctors who had conscientious objections. If you don't want to do this kind of work, don't work at Vanderbilt. So the medical profession is being coerced. And those people who have convictions about, you know, wanting to take the least restrictive means don't even have that option at many of the major medical institutions in our country. This is, this is mind boggling that this is where we have come, but this is where we are now that you say it, uh, you know, they say it's always money, power, and sex. Those are the motivations. And in this instance, we have exactly this money, as you've said, power, because I do think there's an element of controlling the populace. Yes. That's the Marxist uh, ideology at work there. And then sex. And we would be wrong to say that there isn't a preferred and you know, fetish element to this whole thing. So it is money, power, and sex. Exactly. Yes. In that same story with Tucker, he mentioned, he noted a 30-year study out of Stockholm, Sweden, 30-year study, right? 30 years, um, analyzing the effects of transgender surgery on patients. You know, they've often said that uh, Europe is about 50 years ahead of us. And so this 30-year study discovered, quote, persons with transsexualism after sex reassignment have considerably higher risks for mortality, suicidal behavior, and psychiatric morbidity than the general population, end quote. 
I mean, that's where we are. And then there was another, there was the Tavistock Gender Center in the UK. A thousand patients have sued the clinic saying they were pressured into life-destroying treatments. And the clinic itself is being shut down. I believe, Aaron, that this will happen in our country. Oh yeah, it's clinic. Well, it's shut, yeah. Because these kids are being pressured by this agenda into this and they're making life-altering decisions. We're 10 and 15 years down the road. They can't have kids. They've got all of these health problems from this and they realized it it was a fetish. It was a fad. Now, some of them may have a legitimate, you know, more ongoing issue, but the overwhelming majority of them, I believe, do not. And they're making life-altering decisions. Well, because those that have a a more satisfaction, if they go through something like this, also have a more realistic expectation. Mm -hmm. What happens is they've been sold that this is going to Mm -hmm. fix it and it doesn't. And then they have all these other issues, like you said. So, yes. Okay. So let's talk about at the, the ending moments of this, this program, what do you do if your child or your child's friend or your family member identifies as gay or transgender. Okay. And I'm sure that every one of us is in this situation. We either in our own family or we know somebody. You and I both homeschool, by the way, and it's all, and it don't think that those people over in the homeschool communities have a greener pasture because it's there too. Right. The advantage they have is potentially more time. It does help. And influence, but no, it's just as, as uh, concerning. But so the first thing, and you said it, you want to combine compassion that Jesus loves us and that they're loved. And I loved how you said, if you make a mistake, if you were shocked at a revelation and maybe you overreacted, you know, go back and you Mm -hmm. can make that right. But, you know, God never abandons Mm -hmm. us. And sin, you know, sin, when we make sinful choices or go our own way, that has its natural consequence, right? I mean, God is telling us not to sin because of what it produces. But anyway, so we walk in compassion. So you don't want to isolate or uh, ostracize or, or remove love. The second thing is that you want to, if it's your own child, cut out social media. You need to, and you need to be extreme. I've walked through with many parents who have had this issue of that their kids have been transgender or identified as transgender. And I've seen Mm -hmm. some of them no longer identify as transgender and social media coming, getting that out of control was a big part. And my one lady, she would have, she would allow her daughter to be on the phone beside her. So after they had removed it completely, then as she brought it back, she had control. The second thing is you might need to get a new social circle. Now this is delicate because we don't want to shun people. This isn't what I'm saying. Exactly. But if your children, let's say your child is going through this and they have friends and the friends are not helping, like it's a kind of you want to remove them from that, from those, Mm -hmm. that friendship group because that influence. And and that's another thing that uh, Abigail Schreier talks about is just how the girls specifically, it's a social contagion. So you want to change that. If I could add there, like if your child was struggling with a substance addiction and all of their friends were struggling with a subject (laughs) substance addiction, I think it'd be pretty obvious they needed a new friend circle. So likewise, in this situation, if all of their friends are struggling with that issue, they're going to be far more likely to be influenced by that peer group back into that ideology that they're not mature enough to process. 
So yeah, I'll right. keep going. So you want to, so you might have to change that circle. However, in the church, I do just want to say we need to do a better job of how we bring in and serve families, but that's, that's another side. Then of course, teach them biblical truths. Now here's the thing that's interesting, not just biblical sexual truth, because really the key is for us to come into relationship with Christ. Mm -hmm. And so we want to teach them. So this one particular family, you know, the daughter was very disrespectful. She rolled her eyes. She, you know, normal, what we would call teenage attitudes. And so they really worked on the proper character qualities and biblical Mm -hmm. truths, because then she can come to know Christ. And through her relationship with Christ, she can then have her own understanding. And then he can work on those other issues because really the biggest issue is for our children to be, be Christians. Really? That's where we want to start. And then he, God works these things out. And then finally to pray and to pray strategically and recognize that it is a bit, it's going to be a bit of a journey. It didn't happen overnight. It's not going to unhappen yes. overnight. Oh, Aaron, I just, I can't thank you enough for helping us to understand biblical sexuality and our culture's distortion of sexuality in both of these episodes that we've had. You have just been amazing. Will you please tell our listeners again where they can find out more about your ministry and your work? Yeah. I'm uh, the website is the homeeducatedmind.com and you can email me at support at homeeducatedmind.com. And I just wanted to, I didn't say it in the last episode that I am creating a course for parents on sexuality. And so if you'd like to get on the waiting list for that, definitely email me at support at the home educated mind. Awesome. Awesome. Sign me up. That's awesome. And be sure to check out the show notes on Life Audio or my website at katherineseegers.com for the links to the websites, the stories and documentaries we referenced and to Aaron's website as well. This has been a very tough topic, mamas and papas. I think that it is obvious we need to be proactive about discussing sexuality with our kids. We have to because the world is selling them a message that is physically and spiritually and mentally toxic. It will destroy their relationships and their God-given purpose and their God-given bodies, their design. Sexuality will be an ongoing conversation on this show because I believe this is one of the primary ways that the enemy is attacking the next generation. I have an interview in the works with a well-known fellow podcaster who has struggled in his sexuality and found freedom in Christ. You can be looking for that episode in the new year, but the next episode is going to be another serious topic, teen suicide. I have an interview with a young woman, Emma Benoit, who appeared to have the perfect life. She was riddled with anxiety and no one knew she was having suicidal thoughts. And at the age of 16, Emma took a gun and shot herself in the chest. Only 1% of people with self-inflicted gunshot wounds survive. Emma is in that 1%. She is a miracle, and she has a powerful message for you and your kids. That'll be in a couple of weeks. I got some stuff to catch up on. Be sure to subscribe at katherineseegers.com so you won't miss a single episode. Moms and dads, 
Be in prayer. Be vigilant. Be bold. Be courageous. Be fearless. And remember, we have truth on our side. And the truth is what sets us free. I want to thank you for joining me today. Look, I know there are a lot of things you could be listening to right now. And I really appreciate that you took this time to spend with me. I hope you will join me for my next podcast when we take aim at some aspect of our culture that threatens to derail our parenting and steal our kids' faith. If you enjoyed this episode of Christian Parent Crazy World, would you consider telling a friend and sharing it on social media and giving it a good review over on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and following me on Facebook and Instagram? Oh, and maybe you could say that Christian Parent Crazy World is the best podcast you've ever heard in your entire life. Uh, Just a thought. Uh, And be sure to check out my website, which is katherineseegers.com. That's Catherine with a C. I have lots of articles and resources there that will help you on your parenting journey. And if you subscribe, I will be sure to send you some really cool free stuff and notify you of future podcasts, articles, and blogs. I want to end this and every episode with a word of encouragement. God gave you your kids, your specific kids for a reason. That's because you hold the key to unlocking who God created them to be. We'll see you next time. Christian Parent Crazy World is a production of Life Audio and Salem Media. If you liked what you heard today, please take a second to rate and review this podcast in your favorite podcast app so that more listeners like you can find the show. For more faith-filled, inspirational podcasts, visit us at lifeaudio.com. Scripture and brain science agree. Meditating on God's Word transforms us and reduces stress in our lives. I'm Jody Nisnik, host of So Much More, Creating Space for God, a scripture meditation podcast. And each week I give you space to hear God's Word, listen to the Spirit, and pray about what's on your heart. And then we have a thoughtful conversation with guests to help us go deeper. Listen and subscribe at lifeaudio.com.